This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. In five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. Thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com, the home of the Portabooth Pro. This is the Pro Audio Suite podcast with Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging Sydney. From LA, George the Tech Whitam, the Tech to the VO Stars, and me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. And welcome to another Pro Audio Suite podcast. Once again, joined by one of our favorite guests, Bobby Osinski. How are you, Bobby? Very well. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, I've got to say, I was listening to your latest podcast only two days ago where you were talking with Miles Copeland, of course, Stuart Copeland's brother and the manager of the police. And there was an interesting interview on your uh, Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. Check it out. But there was one thing that popped up that I thought, wow, that is really interesting. And you tapped on something called voice stealing. So there's some kind of technology that enables the voice to be stolen. Is that correct? Well, it's not stolen so much. It's uh, deep faked. So it's using machine learning and, and a huge library in order to fake a not only a voice, but also lyrics and music by your favorite artist. And They've done, oh, a hundred of them. They're different artists of all types. As a matter of fact, I'm just looking here at what they call the jukebox. And there's, uh, let's see, Billy Ray Cyrus, Alan Jackson, Kanye West, B.B. King, Frank Sinatra. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I just thought. <laughs> Who's here? Yeah. Katy Perry. Big names in there. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing, actually. Now, if you go and listen to this, you find that some of them are pretty good, and some are not. But most of the time when they're not... Now, again, this is one of these things where it's AI that's trying to reproduce the whole experience. So it's music and it's lyrics. It's making up lyrics as if it were the artist in the style of the artist as well as the artist's voice. And in many cases, the mix is really off so the vocal is kind of buried and it's distorted a lot of times. So, you know, this has a ways to go. So th- so there's a website where you can go there and you can just read infinitely all kinds of stuff. It just puts sentences up at you and every time it just keeps on learning your voice more and more and more and more. And then eventually you can just type whatever you want and it's you, not you saying that, it. That's, that's um, Google's Magenta project. Aha, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And it will do a number of different things. It will make music. You can type. Actually, all you have to do is put in a melody that you make and then say, I want it classical. I want it country. I want it whatever. And it will do a full arrangement. And it's pretty amazing what it will do. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it makes music and art using machine learning. So it's, yeah. it's taking machine learning and just seeing where it, you can push it. Yeah. There are plenty of these. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there, there's one I'm, I'm looking at here. It's called Amper Music. And this is a, uh, where everything else is pretty experimental. This is not. This is one of these things that you can buy if if you want something that's, uh, create your own music in seconds. 
But if you do a search, just do deep fake audio, deep fake music, deep fake artists, you'll get dozens of these. So it's a technology that's beginning to explode. Oh, yeah. Again, how good it is is relative. It's good enough that you can go, wow, that's cool. Is it good enough to be usable? Not yet. No, not, not, yet. not quite yeah. yet, but, Close. but that, that just means time. Well, I, you know, this is an interesting tie-in here, right? So, Bobby, you teach for Linda, right? Yeah. And uh, Linda is Linda's parent company is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn has a, a learning page called linkedin.com slash learning. Which is that now, Linda, or is that merging with Linda, or? Well, it's merged quite a, a while ago. Now, instead of calling Linda.com, it is in certain places, but it's LinkedIn yeah. Learning. Yeah. So there's one on there that I stumbled on. This it's so interesting the timing of our conversation because I've just been obsessed with this the last two days. There's a section on their site called Understanding the Impact of Deepfake Videos. Mm, yep. It's a 48 minute long presentation, and it goes into you know all the stuff. And, uh, you know, it's very fascinating. Um, and, of course, all, all the implications. And, you know, I mean, we're, not, we're talking about the context of music, but the, the real scary thing about it is it, it starts to allow there to be plausible deni- deniability. Uh, you know, like, like, say, a certain president can say, you know, I'm not really sure that I actually said that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it goes it goes the other way. That's right. And, yeah. and 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 the thing is is like it's not the like okay, you can't get away with the whole thing, but what you can definitely get away with is a few subtle changes. Right. And that totally changes the meaning of what somebody actually said. And right. a little cut to B-roll or whatever you want to Check do. Check out the Nixon video where the Nixon's uh, basically mourning the loss of two of our astronauts on on the moon mission. Right, never happened. Never happened. But, I mean, the moon mission. Right, right. But I mean, in this presentation yeah, 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 on LinkedIn, yeah. there's a video where they show Nixon giving the speech, the one that everybody saw on television, talking about the moon mission. But it's been re-edited, and he's basically, uh, you know, they're basically mourning the loss of Buzz Aldrin. And it's him. Like, it's him, and he's saying the words, and you're watching him say it, and you know it's not true. What if but, what if this cow. whole time like parallel universes are possible and this whole cloning thing is just really parallel universes popping through into <laughs> our universe? Whoa. You need a new I'll dealer. Have what you're having. <laughs> I need an escape. I need an escape from the day I've had. Holy yeah. cow! Yeah, exactly. But what I find uh, interesting about this though is when we're talking about the actual theft of a, a voice, because I think one yeah. thing you did mention, Bobby, was that um, there is actually no way of someone going and saying that's my voice you now have to pay me there's no legal precedent so far there's some thought that considering the way copyright and plagiarism lawsuits have gone that there may be a certain and i'm thinking especially the um the marvin gay uh alan thick uh, case in 2015, where it was just the feel of the music rather than the oh. actual music. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I ran yeah. into that too. So, just that styles can be copyrighted or owned. Well, they, they they can't be owned so much, but the court can rule in your favor because of that. And there's some thought that this could fall under that. So a deep faked voice. May fall under that, but no one knows yet because it's too early. Are there any parallels early. with like picture? 
I believe there is, but again, I don't know of any cases so Cause, far. Because in commercials, for example, that. like like often they'll have somebody um, act like somebody, and they got to say like celebrity voices impersonated. So there is some level of owning up to it, you know. Does that mean if someone uh, someone who's coming who's starting to become a voice actor and has the same tone and sound in their voice as Andrew, let's say for example, Impossible. what's that mean for them? Does that mean they can't be a voice actor because they sound too much like Andrew Peters? I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's more to do with, if you, if you talk about style, but I think this is probably a bit more blatant than that. I think the fact is that with all this new technology and AI is that, and I've, I've, I've flagged this so many times over the years saying we should be able to license our voice. So you, you get like a library, like you would with a music library. And if someone wants to use your voice and they use AI, then they ha- have to buy, you know, they have to license and make a payment. But... Take the AI out of the equation and, you know, I've been in the audio industry here in Australia for 30, whatever it is, 32, 33 years. There's always been, uh, when you book a voice, there's always been the option to book a character fee and have that voiceover artist impersonate someone else. Now, no money goes to the person that they're impersonating. And, and the only thing that changes from what we're talking about to that is the fact that you're putting a computer in the middle to generate the voice. So personally, I don't see that there is any theft. It's always been, it's always been there. You've always been able to do a character of someone and whether you have to acknowledge that or not in the, let's call them credits in the commercial, is irrelevant. I, 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 I don't know. I, can you own your own voice? I, I don't know that you can. Can you, can you own your own likeness then? And and there, I believe there's got to be some precedent there. You can. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, that that's the case with every like Michael know. Jackson's estate owns his like. Yeah, I, I I think there's got to be like you know it might take a, a court case to to push it through, but at some point you have to own your likeness. And I, I think it's a different thing if someone sounds like Andrew, but if a computer sounds like Andrew, then that that is. Constructed. I, I guess the gray area of what if someone is just parametrically messing with knob in a voice simulator and comes across the Andrew preset without having ever heard Andrew? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I sit on the fence because I, I, you know, I obviously work with plenty of voiceover artists and I understand that you want to protect your income. But at the same time... I don't know. I don't. I don't know that because no one's unless they're actually out there going, you know, um, this is Andrew Peters. You know, they're programming. Hi, this is Andrew Peters. Come and buy our margarine. I don't know. I, I don't know that there's any infringement. I just find that that the industry in general is reactive and is very rarely proactive. And this is the issue that we get down the road and all of a sudden this thing has been looming for ages and everyone's discussing but no one's doing doing anything about it uh, becomes a reality and then it's all of a sudden reacting to something that's already happening and it makes it very difficult to have any control once it's out the bag. I mean, I mean, you can't control it. Like, like the only thing you can do is be reactive actually because if not mm. you're kind of a conspiracy theorist paranoid person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what well, do you mean? The, what do you mean? Yeah. I think the other issue is too, unless you are a celebrity, then if someone takes Andrew's voice sample and puts it to air in, I don't know, in Malaysia, how's Andrew ever going to know? 
That, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, it, it's, you have to, yeah, you have to catch them. You, you, no, how do you police all this if you're going if you're well, gonna go? Okay, here's the ruling that you know everybody owns their own voice. Okay, that's great, but how the hell do you copyright. police it? You have to have the finances to but, enforce your own copyright or your own whatever it is. Yeah, but 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 wait, there is another way to look at this. Don't forget, this is a machine learning problem. So the closer the deep fake can be relies on how much data is input, which means it would have to basically get everything that Andrew ever did because the more that was input, the closer it would be, the, the output would be. Otherwise, there'd be glitches and you you know just wouldn't be the same. So if that's the case, that would mean that it's learning off of a copyright or a likeness and that might be the precedent right there. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to get towards. It's like we, you know, we voluntarily give our our voice to this business. Someone buys a license, and it becomes like a, a library of voices that people can choose from. But at least you get paid, right? But but, but the thing there is, like like I said, what if if such an engine exists? Someone's going to break it down into formant and this and that, and then. What's stopping them from doing like, I'm not going to pay anybody. I'm going to turn a few knobs until I come up with a non-existent voice that I like. Well, speaking about the engine, if you go to openai.com, which is where I was telling you where all these songs are in their jukebox, they give you the source code. So it's, it's, it is open. It's free. Wow. By making it free to all that, that it won't be used for evil because anybody can use it. So why... No, nobody has an advantage over anybody else because it's available to all. No, it's an concept? it's an academic research project. Yeah, so they're not thinking at all commercially. Yeah, of course not. Now, I mean, when you say precedent, now I know we don't have precedent for this exactly, but don't we have precedent in terms of samples and music? Thirteen seconds. I remember yeah. the the Queen one, right? Uh, Under pressure for it, it, the Vanilla Ice song. That's yeah, probably no, the most done, famous done, one. Done, I done, think done, done, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's da 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 da. See, I added a note. It's yeah, but I mean, that's to me, that's the closest thing there is I, I can think of for precedent. But this is far more difficult to, I guess, um, prove. Is that the problem? I, I don't know. I mean, for me, the question is: Do you own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do proof, you really own your voice? Would imply that you're violating, like, or you're somehow are stealing. It's like. But here's the thing: If you took this to trial. Then you would have to prove to the jury, actually, either way, that either, no, it doesn't sound like Andrew in this case, or yes, it does. It sounds just like it. And then you have to have a jury decide that one way or the other. So, so if some guy's in court and the guy's like, I've never heard Andrew, and then, the, uh, per, and then your, your lawyer's like, you're telling me you've never heard a CNA broadcast? You live in Dubai, don't you? And you catch the guy in a lie being like, oh, I guess I did hear his voice. Yeah, but you know, you get that in songs all the time for plagiarism where someone will say, I never heard that song, even though it sounds exactly like it or, or very much like it. And for the most part, they lose every time. Right. You can't, you can't prove that you didn't. Uh, what's that? You can't prove a negative. How many different ways can you rearrange one, four, <laughs> five, one? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we need more chords. <laughs> oh man so well, yeah I was going to say Bobby how do you think this is all going to play out this deep fake can you see it looking pretty bad in the future well not in the near future 
I mean, if you go and listen to some of these, uh, the, the best one is a Frank Sinatra one, where he's singing a Christmas song, and it's in the style, and even the lyrics are sort of Christmassy. And and it sounds like him, but it's it doesn't. There are inflections that you go, oh, okay, that's not quite. So when you go and listen to th- these things, you see that it's a ways off. Now, how fast can they improve on it? I don't know. Because, again, this is all down to how many sources of, of input do they have. With Frank Sinatra, for instance, it's kind of finite. They, they said that they put 1.2 million different pieces in as source material. Now, that, but that's not just Sinatra. That's everything, that, you know. But, you know, again, it's just finite. Actually, within the deep fake itself, it would know or possibly know what data it pulled from to create. You know, if, if you said, hey, deep fake, I want... Um, whatever, like Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby crossed, and then those would be the two inputs. And someone in Frank Sinatra's estate is like, aha, you, you programmatically put me into it. No, again, there's a couple ways to look at this. If it's machine learning, which most of this is, then it really depends upon how, many, how much input they're getting. On the other hand, if it's artificial intelligence, that's figuring it out for itself. So if that's the case, it would be able to take just one piece of Andrew and and then derive that. But the problem is, artificial intelligence, it doesn't work the way everybody thinks, and it's not as good as everybody thinks right now. So that's why I think this is a little ways down the road. Now, in 10 years, it might be a different story, five years even. But I think we've got a little bit of time, at least, before we get to that point. Although it's, I mean... Is that it? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It sounds really weird. <laughs> it does sound weird. Let me ask you a question. Is that Frank Sinatra or Michael Bublé? Well, <laughs> well, everyone can have their creative influences. Good point. If you asked my parents who you just played... Right. My mother would probably go, well, it could be Frank Sinatra, it could be Michael Bublé. So where do you draw the line? How do do you figure that bit out? It's a clever attorney's. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh boy, they're rubbing their hands together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But there's this other technology. Um, I, in fact, I was talking about it this morning uh, with my wife, and she works for the Traffic Accident Commission, and she's involved with all their commercials and and all the um, marcoms and stuff. So, but they were looking at using this technology for a campaign, which was used in the UK by the um, UK police. And what they did, they got a a kid who had been killed in a car crash. And they rebuilt that dead child talking about how he died. Wow. That is really freaky stuff. Uh. Does that cross the line? Well, I'm guessing they had his parents' permission, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the fact is they can do it, you know. So you Mm -hmm. kind of, we're we're, we're probably further down the road than we maybe think And just like the whole technology was originally derived from a kid who wanted to call in, uh, have, you know, call into school and call himself in absent as if he's his parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started with Ferris, Ferris Bueller's day off, didn't it? With the recording of him snoring oh, in his bedroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, with yeah. the emu. 
damn movies. The $5,000 sampler. Every kid has one of those in the 80s, right? That's right. His friend's dad had a pretty nice Ferrari, too. The sampler was nothing. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Oh, my gosh. Save Ferris, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I believe. Well, I think there's some interesting times ahead, at least by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, like if the machine can work out the rhythms and uh, the nuances and everything about someone's voice, which they're doing, then where is it going to end up? Who would know? I, I mean, assume so- that computational power becomes and stays in pace with the machine learning that's computationally able to decode the fakes. Um, yeah. As long as we can, you know, and compute. I mean, look at the new Mac Apple M1. I'm just looking for a chance to drop that in there. <laughs> because you're <laughs> looking at so, one. That's right. Yeah, hey, I bought one. I have one. I, I, I'm looking at the John Hardy M1, and I <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. That's one but of my favorites. You, you look. Yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic piece. Um, yeah, you look at that computer is so light years ahead of everything else that's currently on the market in terms of you know a traditional PC, and. Um, that just happened sort of almost overnight, you know, to our, to at least to us. Yeah, and that's just going to get, that's going to accelerate in terms of development and just get better and better and better and just outpace everything from Intel and everybody else really quickly. And that's a consumer product. So we're going to develop, you know, Moore's Law, whatever says, we're going to de- double everything all the time. So as long as we have the tools to decode it, or find it or sniff it out, and we'll be okay, <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I wonder what the markings of that would be. Right. What would you look at in order to determine whether it's real or not? I mean, I haven't looked at any, I haven't like taken, say, one of those SoundCloud recordings. I literally, I'm checking out the OpenAI site for the first time. It'd be interesting to to grab one of those, download it or re-record it into my DAW, and then start looking at the waveform and seeing what kind of weird you know, anomalies Maybe load it into a spectral view editor like in Adobe Audition or something and, and take a close look and see what kind of odd... There's got to be anomalies, you know, like weird harmonics and mm-hmm. funky stuff that's going on that could be matched up against the real thing. Do you, and it would be like a fingerprint. Like a fingerprint would be left behind, you know? It, like it would always fake. have the same reverb to it. Right. Hmm. There's if you try be to something. put a room onto it, it's either going to be like so dead like or like... Even that, like part of the deep fake is like faking it in the environment that it doesn't exist in. Maybe there'd be even something that's not part of the voice that you can key on to. True. And an artifact. It's going to be about the artifacts. The artifacts will get smaller and smaller and more and more minuscule and less and less noticeable to the human hearing. But those artifacts will remain infinitely. And then the question is, can you mask them out? So even if the artifacts exist, if you put it into a heavy mix with a whole bunch of other stuff, and then there's too much data to to hear the artifacts. Well, that's what's sort of happening now. If you listen, just sample a bunch of those uh, samples in the jukebox, and you'll hear that many times the vocal is mixed way, way down. So you get the feel of who the artist is supposed to be, but much of the nuances are masked. Yeah. Right. It's not they're, cause, Frank cause on his own mic in errors. front of the orchestra, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're trying to hide the errors, basically. Or, you know, not hide them, but... Mask them. Mask them. If it's farther back in the mix, you can't hear the whatever. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, some of the early examples of the voice synthesis was 
definitely like very MP3 sounding. And every time on YouTube right now, when you hear some fake announcer computer, you know, there's a lot of scripts, a lot of videos out there now that are obviously just fully done with a computer voice. Oh yeah, there's an advertiser on YouTube that you know when when an advertisement gets in your YouTube sort of (laughs) queue, you know, and you can't not see it. Um, Like I watch YouTube on the TV a lot at night. I like I like watching YouTube and. You know, there was one advertiser, and I will not name them here, but the ad was for computerized speech software, you know, and it was incredibly cheap. And it was so that any of you out there making your own YouTube video can have natural human sounding narration. And they're saying, of course, this commercial is being voiced by this computer right now. But you didn't know that, did you? And they're like, well, yeah, I did. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. human, and I know what humans sound like. I'm not another computer. But, um, you know, but it was, that was the whole ad. And I, had, I watched that ad probably, I don't know, 15 times. Yeah. And uh, it made me crazy <laughs> knowing that this is so cheap and being, uh, you know, advertised on YouTube far and wide to millions of viewers. And uh, it's if that's happening today, man. What what products are going to be available for pennies in the next five years? It's going to yeah. be mind-boggling. Would the average punter have picked that voice? Do you think? Um, I bet not. I bet I bet most people would have picked it out, but a lot of them you would have had to have asked them before they would have questioned it. Right. Like oh, if yeah. they were listening oh, yeah, to it out fake. of context or just listening to it in the background, they never would have said a word. And then until yep. you called attention to it, and then you'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's something weird about the pacing exactly. or something. Yep. That's, that's, and that, yeah, that is where we're at. And the same is for sample instruments. And, you know, the sample libraries are mind-boggling now. And the, and the, and the guys that program sampled instruments and drums are really good now, too. So you could be fooled very easily unless you're listening for it and you're, you know, you're, a musician, then you're like, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's something there to it. But. It's like the old drummer's joke. How many drummers does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. None. You just get a machine to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, but that's an interesting one. Why, why do drummers still exist when every single sound of a drum is now captured on a computer? I'll and, tell you one reason why. It is, with a good drummer, you're like, hey, something like this, and they do it, and it's more annoying to go sifting through a bunch of drum patterns in a drum machine trying to find something. It's more efficient. Never... I think yeah. it's like... Well, oh, but there's a feel factor and it's yeah, the same thing totally with the right. voiceover actor where, where you're getting the, 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 the feel and the nuances and, and things that... That's going to be the tough part, I think, for yeah. the any kind of deep fake in the, in the future. It's the human factor. And people... That's right. human, yeah. The yeah. human factor is incredibly hard to replace. You know, Blade Runner, uh, yeah. you know, and all that. Um, it's incredibly hard. So, like, and there's always going to, in in because so many people are so scared of this technology. Of course, taking their voiceover careers away, and and I think it's going to replace a lot of the really low paying yeah. gigs. You it, know? it will definitely. All the phone voice IVR, all that stuff, yeah. is gonna, it's just like dead in the water yeah. at some point, and it's not actually that far away. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think actually the the weak point is this, Andrew, how much inane direction have you received over the years that you're, you're, you are becoming the interpreter and maybe the AI isn't even the real power of the AI isn't in generating the voice but it's in 
trying to Taking receive direction. direction from. Imagine a producer giving direction to a computer. Well, it'd be interesting because I, I think um, that's probably where the computer falls over, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's actually right. the weak point. Yeah. Like, 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 it's more work to get a good read out of a computer than you, and that's amazing. You, it's extremely easy to get a read out of the computer, right? right. You just type it in. Garbage in, but garbage to direct in. it yeah. and get what you're really looking for—that is, that's where the rubber meets the road, and that's where yep. and that's real acting security. and a real drummer and a real trumpet player and all those things—that's um, that's the difference. Now, if you had a trumpet player playing a digital trumpet, programming the sound of a real trumpet in synthesis, who was a really good trumpet player and really good at synthesis, they might be able to fool you because they're trumpet players. Um, I don't know about that, and why would you do that anyway? <laughs> but, sure. sure. Well, no, actually, that that's something that's been done for a long time. I can remember doing sessions back in, let me see, the late 90s, where we'd bring in a real drummer to program the drum machine because oh, yeah. the drummer would know the nuances and would know, well, yeah, I would do this here. I've seen that. I've seen that a number of times. I, saw, I, I actually recorded a live album, and the whole organ was played by a, a guitarist on a guitar synth. And I remember going into the gig going like, oh my God, are you serious? And I left going, that guy really knew how to voice the chords and play it. So the, the organ sound was fine. You know, you can kind of fake a B3 pretty well these days. And But he pulled it off with a guitar with the voicings. And he also did the same thing actually with horns. And he was, it was like a band with a with a keyboard player playing whatever, like, if we don't, we, we just have drums, bass, guitar, and everything else is a keyboard player. And this band was drums, bass, guitar, and everything else was the other guitarist. And he was as good at it. And I also met another guy when I used to sell equipment, and he would sell keyboards. And his knack was to pull up any patch, and he would, man, he knew how to play that keyboard and make it sound like a hammer dulcimer. Because the hammer dulcimer sound wasn't that hard to recreate. But playing it like the instrument and that's what he was good at. He was good at like all the patches. He just knew how to play them and make them sound like what they were supposed to instead of playing a hammer dulcimer like it's a piano. Yeah, I, I saw something years ago that the, at the, I don't know if he's still working for the production, but it was a good time there where the, simp, the guy that did the Foley for Simpsons cartoon, he used a guitar to yes, trigger this Foley. To the footsteps. I remember that. Yes, yeah, he used a guitar because yep. that was the instrument. That was his it's just instrument. It's an input. Yeah, it's an input, input, right? So, yeah. what does that mean? So now we can. I don't know where to we go. Can with set it. Andrew out to pasture, right? <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. We're well, getting retirement age anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yes. Yeah. yes, today is a significant day of closer to retirement. It's uh, <laughs> which we, I mean, yeah, I yeah. look at voice actors all the time that are younger, you know, closer to my generation or younger. And the ones that are doing well are doing well because they're just so damn efficient. That's one reason. Mm-hmm. You know, they're yep. cert- certainly they're fine at what they do, their craft. But they're incredibly fast learners, incredibly efficient, and pretty affordable. Um, and then the other outliers are just people who happen to be actors, you know, that land a, land a really big gig, you know, and, and then they have a mini career. I, uh, I, I think some of them are able to take like like sometimes it's literally this not a good voice but a unique voice and the ability to take direction. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And yep. that's the- I, I have a client who she says, I hardly book a gig. It's like maybe once or twice a year, but they still send me in because I have this crazy voice and I get booked once in a while for this cartoon. And she, as she has one of those voices, you know, and she's a Hollywood actor. And she was like, now I have to have a home studio to audition for two jobs a year, but I have to have one. So what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you know Marge Simpson, do you? <laughs> Not Marge, but somebody has that. She had that kind of voice, right? That yeah, really right. Uh, super distinctive but niche the, voice. The, you know? like, like whoever plays Marge Simpson will be suing hers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I'm only, uh, I'm only imitating Marge Simpson because that was the voice in my head, of course, yeah. from Simpsons. But I thought you were doing her sisters, but yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, the two sisters, right? <laughs> um yeah, the ones on the ones on the Simpsons. Simpsons, I certainly have the best job security. Are the ones that do seven or eight voices, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to wrap this up, right? I'm trying to find a way to wrap this up. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, guess, I mean, I yeah, guess the question we started with was, um, you know, can you copyright a voice? I think we've probably decided that we can, but I think that opens a whole nother precedent. Yeah, but that opens a whole nother bag of worms, really, doesn't it? Let's be honest. And there's also the other thing which which we didn't touch on is that when you've done a job and they've said, um, "Can we use this in perpetuity?" and they'll pay you a, a premium fee mm. to keep all the bits and pieces you've sent. Yeah, and now they can use that however they want, and you've got no recourse. Mm. And and what about this? I I have been, I have changed words. Many times, like um, whatever, people reading 18, it's supposed to be 19. I can't tell you how many times I have put someone else's voice in the middle of another actor's voice actor's read to fix something because they can't, won't, no time, whatever billion reasons why, won't call that actor back up and re-record the script, Mm. which really should have been a thing, right? That should have been a, a fee or whatever. And it's like, so now we have like, me as syllables and changing numbers. It's usually off, very often numbers, actually. Um, and is is that right or is that okay? Well, you I've know? done it to you, Robert. As I've mentioned before, <laughs> I mean, really, I've replaced you, you half words of yours. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> where it's either been cut or gated or something's gone pear shaped. So I've because um, uh, I was on the, I was in a train doing yeah. a podcast. So yes. I put the uh, t- at the end or a but you know here here let me play you guys something ready. Smithers, I think we have a solution to our problem. The place to test our new mini-nuke should be at the Source Elements headquarters in Chicago. Let's find out their coordinates. Grab the gazetteer. Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns. (laughs) Mr. Burns. Yeah. And and his sister Carpet. That's right. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I'm going to play that into some AI infinitely yeah. and see what I get out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we should probably uh, also thank Bobby for joining us. Um, I think we should. But at the same time, we should also ask, was it really Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, thanks for having me again, guys. I appreciate it. This show was mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging, edited by Andrew Peters, using Rode microphones and Source Connect Now, tech support from George the Tech Whittem, and supported by Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com, the home of the Portabooth Pro. You're the